Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. I don't need to tell you that God is wanting to do something special here today. A few weeks ago, I was listening to the radio and a song came on. It was a song sung by a group called 11th Hour. It was recorded in 2014, so it's not a new song, but I don't think I'd heard it. But the song was entitled, Jesus is in the House. It was a song centered around the story recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter 5 is one of those recordings, and before we look at the text, I want to note some words of that song. It goes along exactly what my brother Duane said. The words were, tear off the roof of fear, tear off the roof of doubt, Lay down your problems. Jesus was in the house. Tear off your root of pain. Roof of pain. It's time to lay it down. Jesus is in the house. Now during my message this morning, I may use the phrase, Jesus is in the house. I may say, God is in the house. Or Holy Spirit is in the house. We don't worship three gods, we worship one God, but it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that three identity God is here in the house. He's here in the house. I want us to look at that story as recorded in Luke, and then we'll be looking at some others. And I want you to know something, that God is in the house. Luke chapter 5, begin reading verse 17. On one of these days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, I want you to remind you that this man could not come by himself. Four people brought him, tore off the roof, And began to let him down. He says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, pick up your bed 
and go home. King James Version, you'll probably hear somebody say, pick up your bed and walk. But immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they were glorified God and were filled with awe saying we have seen extraordinary things today. We have seen extraordinary things today. Now, why did that happen? Because God was in the house. Lee's already mentioned, others have mentioned already that God is in the house. He was here before you got here. But I don't know about you, but I brought him with me. Because he tells me, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So when I showed up this morning, not was God only here, he was already here, but then he came with me. And if you're a child of God, he came with you. So I can say without any restriction, any qualification that God is in the house. Said, we'll see extraordinary things. Now, the word that ESV, the translation I read, says we have seen extraordinary things today. How many knows it's extraordinary that a guy that's been crippled gets up and walks? He picks up his mat or bed and takes it home. An extraordinary thing. The NIV translates that word remarkable thing. We've seen a remarkable thing. King James Version uses the word strange. We've seen a strange thing. Well, I got to, said, okay, which one of those describe it the best? Well, I looked it up in the Greek. The Greek word is paradoxus, where we get the word paradox from, which means contrary to received opinion. So contrary to what other people might think, contrary to what the doctors may say, Contrary to how you feel, I love that song, The Waymaker, because God's still working even when we what? When we don't feel it, God is still working. Oh, I love it when we feel God, but I'm glad that he's still working when I don't feel it. I'm glad he's still working, and even if I'm not feeling it, I'm glad that my God is still working, that God is still in the house. Yesterday, I was privileged to be able to go to a track meet that my grandkids were running in and some of the team. And, and I was so blessed that the announcer near the end of the meet, it was, it was been out there all day. And uh, it's one of the biggest meets uh, in the United States as Bob Hayes relay has been going on for 57 years. But what the guy said was amazing. He said, I don't know what you believe. This was right in the middle. He said, I don't know what kind of higher power you think about. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. The guy that just won the mile race two years ago had a brain surgery and they said that he would never walk again. And today we presented him with a trophy being the fastest man there for the mile run. I want to tell you something. God was in the house out there in that stadium where a couple of thousand people were and several hundred kids were running and God was there and he had made his presence known by performing a miracle, doing something extraordinary even when none of us there knew it. Two years ago, they told that guy, you'll never walk again. 
but he was able to run and win a race. So when we say something out of the ordinary, whatever way you slice it, you can call it extraordinary, remarkable, strange, but I believe we can expect something out of the ordinary because Jesus is in the house. That we can expect something that's not recorded in the bulletin, that's not expected on the announcements, that God is in the house. You can go over a few chapters to Luke chapter 8. We find God in a boat. Yeah, he travels a boat. A storm comes up, and guess what God was doing? Guess what Jesus was doing? He was sleeping. He was sleeping. The disciples were scared to death. They were fearful. They were anxious, but Jesus was sleeping. Now, I could preach this in a while right here because there's a lot of people that are very jittery with the present situation in our, uh, situation in our country or in our world. The storm is raging. There's a lot of things. What are we going to do? I can tell you what we're going to do. We're going to leave it up to the God that's taking care of us that's asleep in the boat. He's not shaking. He's not sweating it. He's not worried about it. He knows he's got it under control. You say, well, pastor, don't you know all these things? Yes, there's a storm brewing. Yes, there's a storm raging. Yes, there's things going on. But I serve a God that's bigger than that storm. And he's asleep in the boat. And he said, don't sweat it. We got this taken care of. He said, but they woke him up, said, master, don't you care if we perish? Sounds like some of our prayer requests these days. God, hadn't you heard of COVID? God, don't you know about the Ukraine? Have you seen the price of gas, God? None of that bothers God. He's still in the house. See, this whole universe belongs to him. And he is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. God is in the house. And then that, this situation, he was in the boat. And they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? And there's some maybe watching online today. Maybe you forced yourself to come to church. You really didn't feel like it, really didn't want to, but you just knew that the situation was bad and you needed to hear some good news. Well, there's some good news. Jesus is in the house. He is still in control. And the storm that you're going through isn't any bigger than what the, uh, these disciples were going through. And when Jesus stepped out and said, listen, you interrupted my nap, but since I'm awake, peace be still. Peace be still. Jesus asked him a question. He says, where's your faith? He could have said it a little bit differently. He could have said, you don't need to worry about the storms of wildlife as long as I'm in the boat with you. As long as I'm in the boat with you, you don't need to sweat it. You don't need to worry. Friends, storms come even to Christians. But if we are Christians, Jesus is in our boat. Jesus is in our house. And some of you need to hear those words, peace, be still. I know that there's some of you that need a healing in your body. 
But I think probably the issue of peace in people's hearts today may be of a greater concern than their sickness. You need to hear, peace be still. God is in the house. We can go a few more verses in that same chapter. Jesus was walking surrounded by a crowd. It was Black Friday and Walmart had a great special. People were gathered around, and I know somebody said, no, that, that's silly. No, they were surrounded with a crowd like that. Couldn't hardly walk. But there's a woman that said, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch Jesus, we have no reason to know that if she knew who he was. She had heard some things. Now, if you've ever seen the picture of the woman going through the crowd, you see her crawling. Now, I don't think that that's the right picture because the Bible says they were thrown with a crowd and she touched his back. Now, I don't think in a crowd that somebody can crawl fast enough to touch somebody's back. I think she was making her way through the crowd saying, if I can get to where the master is, if I can get to where he is, everything is going to be all right. The only thing we know is that somebody touched him. Jesus turned to the, the disciples and said, who touched me? And I'm sure that's one of those they said, Lord, you see this crowd? You see all these people? Everybody is hustling and bustling and touching you. How are we supposed to know who touched you? But I can tell you who knew she had touched him is a woman that realized that Jesus was in the house, that Jesus was there on that dusty street, not in a nice building, not in a cathedral, not even in a synagogue. He was on his way to do another miracle. Jairus' daughter was sick. And she needed healing. While he was on his way, the woman said, if I can touch the hem of his garment. Go over a few more chapters to Luke chapter 19. I love this story. Luke chapter 19 talks about a man, a little guy, a tax collector. Now, we would say it was somebody that worked for IRS, <laughs> an investigator that looked for people that had cheated on their taxes. He did not have a lot of friends. He was not highly thought of. He was a little bitty short guy. But he said, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Let me read part of that story. Chapter 19, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He said, I don't know who he is. I've heard about him, but I'd love to see him. But a little short guy like me can't see him. I don't have a way of getting to him, but I'm going to go climb up the tree because as he comes by 
I'll get to see Jesus. I'll get to see the cavalcade as the king goes by. Boy, was he shocked. Because we find in verse 6, it says, So he hurried and come down and received him joyfully. Why? Because Jesus said, Come on, Zacchaeus. I want to go to your house. He just wanted to see him. But if you read on, it says in verse 9, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You may have been watching online this morning. You may have came to church today. Just kind of hoping that something out of the ordinary would take place. And you were saying, maybe I can see Jesus. Maybe I can feel the Holy Spirit. Maybe God will touch me. Can I remind you of what Jesus told the little tax collector? He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You think you want to see Jesus? He wants to see you a lot more than you want to see him. He came to earth to meet you. He came to earth to seek and to save you, to find you in your lostness, to find you in your poverty, to find you in your sickness because Jesus is in the house. Let's go to the Gospel of John. To another familiar story recorded in John 11. We can't go to details of the story. But the first part of the story took place across the river. In what is known as the desert. Where Jesus got word that his friend was sick. But see, his friend lived in Bethany, which was only a few miles outside of Jerusalem. The disciples said, Jesus, you can't go there because they're going to kill you. If you go there, they're going to kill you. And they thought they'd kind of won the discussion because Jesus waited a period of time. Let's read what it says in John eleven fourteen. John eleven fourteen. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. He waited. Why did he wait? Some of you are asking that question right now. Why is Jesus not already answered? Why has Jesus not responded to my prayers? How many thinks that Mary and Martha were praying for their brother? Lord, if you'd be, get here, he wouldn't die. But we find the answer. He said, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Why? Because he would die? No. So that you may believe. So that you may believe. So you may trust, so you may depend, so that you may know that Jesus 
is in the house. But he said, let's go. <laughs> Thomas, he said, let us also go that we all may die. What a man of faith. Aren't you glad you've got those kind of people in your corner? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Did you know gas was over $4 a gallon? Yeah, but I, I heard it's going to be a five next week. You know, you always got these people that just instill faith in you. Thomas the doubter. Let's all go so that we can all die. Let's drop down to verse 25. Jesus said to her, speaking of his sister, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I believe. I trust you. But my brother still died. And we need to understand something. I do not have the power to save. I can deliver the message. I can pray for people. But if God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. I can't do that. And so this Lazarus died. But we find in verse 38, it says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. But Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Because God is in the house. Oh, I know they were outside. I know that they were outside that tomb and everything looked hopeless. And, and they said, there's no way that it's going to happen. And she said, he's already stinking. But he says, roll away the stone. Can I remind you that the initial story that we talked about, the lame man, he couldn't make it without help. The reason people try to encourage you to be prayed for, the reason people try to witness to you and to share with you and to encourage you is because they're trying to move the stones out of your way. They're the ones taking you and tearing off the roof of the house so that you can get to Jesus. But the beautiful thing is Jesus is already there. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever thought how awesome it would have been to live in Jesus' day? Have you ever thought about that? How awesome it would have been maybe to see him in person. But we might have been like the woman with the issue of blood. 
No way I can get to him. He's in a crowd. Might have been like Zacchaeus. All he had a hope for was just a glimpse of Jesus. Let me know there was numerous fishermen on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus lived here or lived there. But only Peter got to walk on water. I was thinking about that. And I said, man, it would have been great to live when Jesus lived. But then I come to a conclusion. We're much more greatly blessed than those of his generation. You say, why in the world would you say that? Because, see, Jesus made an unusual statement in John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now, why in the world would he make such an asinine statement as that when we know that he's the Savior? Because as long as he walked in the flesh, he could only be at one house at one time. If he was at your house, he couldn't be at my house. If he was in your synagogue, he couldn't be in my synagogue because he was limited. But he said, I've got to go away. But God, the Holy Spirit, is going to come. And see, he's not going to be limited to live in one house. How many knows when Jesus was in the flesh, he could only be at one place at one time? He couldn't be all over. But he said, it's expedient. It's better for me to go and leave you because the Holy Spirit's going to come. So wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, guess what? I can be there in the midst of them. He said, I'll go with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So wherever you are, guess what? God is in the house. God is in the house. And I realize this is true for every Sunday morning, every time we get together, even when you get together for potluck, guess what? God's in the house. He's there. But I think God wants to do something special. I believe he's wanting to do something special today and reveal to us that he is in the house. Because the Holy Spirit is here on this earth today, he can be everywhere. Let's just suppose for a minute that the Holy Spirit could only be in one church. And I know that he probably would want to be in the villages because it's always beautiful in the villages. But I think the reality is he'd say, oh, there's a lot more important places. Well, there's more people and greater needs. I think we would all say, well, listen, you know, he needs to be in Ukraine because they really need him. But I'm glad that I can say he's in the house over there. I'm glad I can tell the churches in Cuba today that probably some of them might be listening online. Let's, let, guess what? God's in the house there. But right here in Oxford, God's in the house. God is wherever you are. He's in the house. He can be with us. He can be with our brothers and sisters around the world. 
He can be with those unbelievers that might be wanting to see Jesus. That might be asking the question, maybe if I can go climb a tree, I can find Jesus. They need to know something, that Jesus is looking for them a lot harder than they're looking for Jesus. Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. One of my favorite songs growing up in the hymnal. Now, some of you grew up in the Assemblies of God in small churches, and our entire repertoire was probably 20 songs. If I named some of them, you could probably tell me what page number they were on. I sang page 20, it's coming nine. Page 275, I believe, was one that I like to says, Jesus, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Remember that song, come unto me? Some of you not. I know Sister Rose knows it. I believe it was page 275. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad that God is still in the house. He's still in the house. This morning we're partaking of communion. And as I was thinking about Jesus in the house, See, twice in Paul's command of partaking of communion in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he uses a phrase, he says, this do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. Now, we know we remember the broken body. We remember the shed blood. But how many of you think that it might be permissible and encouraged by God to remember that he's in the house? That he's here to heal bodies. He's here to set at liberty those that are bound. He's here. He's in the house. Those of you that are watching online, he's in your house. He's in your uh, hospital room. He's in your hotel. Wherever you are, he's in the house. He's right there with you. And I believe that God's going to honor his word this morning. That he's going to do something out of the ordinary. Not because of me. And not because of you deserve it. But because God is in the house. And as John R. Rice, that great Baptist minister, said, when God ceases to answer prayer... He'll cease to be God. God's still meeting needs. Did anyone not get the communion this morning? I meant to ask you. Did the same thing the first service. We got a few here, so ushers, please keep your hand raised if you did not get communion because we're going to believe God.
as the worship team comes back. We're going to believe that God's going to minister to us today as we minister unto him, as we follow his word, as we surrender to him. Jesus told those around Lazarus' tomb, he said, move the stones. I appreciate those that were obedient to the Spirit gave words this morning because I believe God was preparing us for something special. And what they did was remove some of those stones. Just like the friends that removed the roof. And remember that song that says, take off the roof of fear. Take off the roof of doubt. Lay down your problems. Jesus is in the house. Take off your root of, roof of pain because Jesus is in the house. Holy Spirit, we've sensed you so real here today already. The worship time was awesome. Your word is true. And you're here to minister and to touch people's bodies and lives. And God, we're praying that as we remember the price for our salvation, as we remember the price for our healing, as we remember the price of our deliverance, that we'll remember that you are in the house. So Father, we ask you to minister by your power, minister by your strength, and have your will and way in this service. It's our prayer. Folks, we're going to continue with communion. But I believe that there's some of you that God wants to do something out of the ordinary. And if you need prayer after we concluded with communion, then you feel free to come down. We want to honor God. We want to worship Him and to follow His leading of His Spirit. The same night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and when he given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Remember it. This do in remembrance of me. I'm going away, but the Holy Spirit is coming. He'll be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Let's remember that today. Let's remember that Jesus is in the house. Let's partake of the bread.
Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Holy, 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 holy are you, Lord. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant or the New Testament. What's he saying? He said, the Old Testament is passing away, not done away with, just being fulfilled. But I'm sending my spirit. They won't be limited to be in one spot, but he'll be able to be all over the world. So this is my blood, a covenant, a new testament. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he comes. Let's partake of the cup. Holy, holy, holy are you. I'm asking the worship team to lead us in worship. If you're here today and you need prayer, God is here. God is in the house. God is in the house. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.